Good morning and happy Sabbath, church. How are you guys doing today? My name is Grady Jonas. I'm originally from the country, beautiful country of Indonesia, where mangoes are, right? And there's no winter, so praise God for that. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I spent the first 18 years of my life uh, growing up in Indonesia, and I came to the States in 2015 studying media evangelism at the Heartland College down in Virginia. But the Lord called me into ministry in 2017, and my life has been great so far. And currently, I'm doing my internship with campus ministry with Pastor Jermaine, Pastor Israel, and I'm thankful for that. And um, how was your week? Is it good? Praise God. I had a rough week, but I'm still praising God for it. On Wednesday, there was a bad news that come from home. I lost my good friend. She passed away at the age of 19 because of leukemia. It was, it was really hard on me because we grew up together in the church. I've known her for about 13 years. Um, I was able to influence her to, um, to make that decision for Christ. And um, I praise God for, for God's wisdom because sometimes we don't understand. But let God's will be done. But there's one thing that I learned from this whole experience is that it's not worth it to go through life without Jesus. No, it's not worth it. Especially young people, find Jesus. When you're still young, look for Jesus because it's not worth it to go through life without Jesus. So with that being said, I praise God also for his word that we can always trust him, claim his promises, and I know that, that in, the, in that morning of resurrection, I would be able to see her again. But it's our duty to remain faithful until that day. So keep me in your prayer as I speak, and let's bow our heads, and we'll begin the message. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for how you have led us in the past. And as we begin this worship, I pray that the Holy Spirit may be poured Open our hearts and help us understand the message that you have for us this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever felt in your life where you wish that you can take back what you just said? You know, I call that moment as like, oops moment. It's like, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. That was bad. Right? And I know that I have experienced that. So when I was younger, I'm not encouraging um, playing video games, but I was addicted to video games. And I love PlayStation. Right? So when I was younger, I, I, I envied my cousin because he has video games and he had PlayStations. And I didn't have one. So I came to my parents one day and I said, Mom, I need PlayStation. And my, my parents don't agree with you know playing video games and they always try to discourage us to play video games but that that day I was so rebellious I kept insisting mom but please please you know they try to help me understand but I didn't want to listen and I pull out that card you know if you love me you're gonna give me PlayStation you know I pull out that card and I just, I can't see in their face, their, their face, their countenance just changed. Like, Grady, why did you say that? We love you. 
That's why we didn't give you PlayStation. That was my, that was my oops moment. I was like, yeah. But well, you know, they, were, they actually gave me PlayStation. But I praise God because I repented. There's a, a better thing to, to play. But anyway, that was my oops moment. I was like, oh, I felt so bad because I made my parents sad. It seems like I'm questioning their love for me. You know, all throughout these years, it seems like I didn't believe in them, that they love me enough. But I, that was my oops moment. I said, oops, I'm sorry. So let's turn our Bible to Mark chapter 6. We're going to study this morning Mark chapter 6. Um, many of you are following the Bible reading plan, and this is found for this week. Mark chapter 6. The title this morning is The King was sorry. Mark chapter 6, and we're going to begin from verse 14. Are you there? Mark chapter 6, verse 14. The Bible says, And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Others said that it is Elias, and others said that it is a prophet. Or as one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John, whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. So this part is actually the introduction to the story. And I want to identify two main characters, and that was John and Herod. John and Herod played an important role in this story. But the question is, who was John the Baptist? We know that John was called by God to prepare the way of Jesus, right? He was the forerunner that's supposed to prepare the first advent of Jesus Christ. And there are so many passages in the Bible that describe John, who John was. But let's go to Luke chapter 3, and we're going to focus on who John, who John was. Luke chapter 3, verse 15. What book did I say? Chapter, verse Luke chapter 3, verse 15. The Bible says, And as the people were in expectation, all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not. To me, that was very interesting. John, John's preaching was so powerful that people even thought that he was the awaited Messiah. Would you agree that John was so bold in his preaching that he just called into repentance? And notice what the Bible says, that all men were stunned, were amazed at his preaching. It did, the Bible didn't say only the Jews. The Bible said all men. John's ministry went beyond the church. Even the secular people heard about him, heard about his preaching. He was so powerful spirit-filled preacher that was John the Baptist and even Jesus himself highly respect him Jesus said there is no greater prophet than John the Baptist but when was the time of John's ministry so let's go to the same chapter but we're going to go to verse 1 Luke chapter 3 Verse 1, so John the Baptist was the powerful preacher, but when was his ministry? Luke chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, 
Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod, being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Eturia, and of the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene. You find Herod there, right? That, that is the same Herod that we read earlier. Verse 2, Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. So now we actually found that the time of John's ministry is in the same time when Herod was the ruler of Galilee. And who was Herod? The history rec records that Herod was, this Herod was Herod Antipas, and he served as Tetrarch from 4 BC to 39 AD. And he was, in fact, the same Herod that took part of Jesus' trial. Remember when Herod was asking many questions and Jesus remained silent? It is the same Herod. It is the same Herod. And what's interesting, during his time of ruling, Herod somewhat took interest in the Jews. He was not so distant. In fact, he was familiar with the Jews, and he heard about John the Baptist. Even more so, let's go to the same chapter, but we're going to go back to verse 19. How did Herod hear about John the Baptist? Luke chapter 3, verse 19. The Bible says, But Herod, the Tetrarch, being reproved by him, for Herodias his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. So apparently, John was so bold enough that he rebuked the secular governor. John was bold enough to point out the sin of the Roman Empire ruler. He said, you committed sin. You're not supposed to take your sister-in-law as your wife. John was bold. And this is, when, this is when the two characters just crossed paths together. Now, John was the powerful preacher, rebuked Herod, who was the Roman Empire governor. They crossed paths. But I think Mark chapter 6 actually described the story even more. So let's go back to Mark chapter 6. And we're going to pick up the story from verse 17. What book did I say? Chapter, verse 17. Mark chapter 6, verse 17. Are you there? The Bible says, For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John, and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Apparently the historian rec records that Herod had divorced his previous wife just to get married with Herodias. Verse 18. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. So the verse implies that Herodias hated Herod more than, sorry, Herodias hated John more than Herod. It seems like she was the one that has the, the most bitter anger against John. She wished that John would have been killed earlier, but the Bible says she couldn't. And then the next verse to me 
it was, it was just very interesting. Let's read verse 20. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and unholy. Wait a second. John just rebuked Herod for his sin. And yet, Herod considered John, and he even admired John as a just and holy man. John did not hold back the truth. He just preached the truth, and yet this secular king, pagan king, esteemed John as a just and holy man. And it, and it continues. It says that, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Even the Bible emphasized that whenever Herod heard about John, he was happy. Wow. John was so powerful. To me, it's, it's, again, it's, it's so amazing just to see the influence of John's preaching that even the secular governor took notice of him. And the Bible says he heard him gladly. Now let's continue the story. Verse 21. And when a convenient day was come that Herod was on his birthday, made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. So now we see, you know, Herod was just having fun. It was his birthday. I could picture that there was wine. They were drinking, right? Just having fun, thinking nothing about life. And verse 22, when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced, and pleased Herod and them that sat with him. The king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. Even more, he emphasized it again, verse 23. And he swore unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. So he even elaborated that, you know, what I mean by whatever is that whatever, even if you ask half of my kingdom, I'll give it to you. So you can, you, can, you can picture Herod, you know, he was just high, probably his mind was out, he wasn't thinking, but he was pleased because of the dancing, and he said, ask of me whatever you want. Ask of me whatever you want. And then, verse 25, sorry, verse 24, the story goes on, and she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. So then the girl went straightway to the king, verse 25, and she came in straightway haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that you give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. You could just imagine when Herod heard that request. In his mind, there was going so many things. It was like, Herod, I mean, you, you're asking for John's head? The just and holy man? The man whom I had admired? The man whom I respected? You're asking for his head? Look at what the Bible says, verse 26. And the king was exceeding sorry, yet for his own sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. The king was sorry because of what he just offered. 
The king was sorry because now he has to kill John. The king was sorry because his words kill someone whom he respected. And there's no turning back. The words has been said, and he needs to do the execution. And you know the rest of the story. The head was brought in a platter. Power of the words. Watch your words. The Bible even says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Why is this important to you and I? We've been herod in our lives where we said things that we shouldn't have. We may not literally kill them, but our words have scarred them. Maybe there is no shedding of blood, but our words kill their ministry, their reputation, just because of what we said. You know, those are, those were, that was Herod's oops moment. He said, oops, I shouldn't have said that. I had told my damsel to ask whatever she wants, and she asked for the head of John the Baptist. That was Herod's oops moment. But it's too late. It's too late. But the question is, what do we do with our words? In our workplace, as a manager, as a, as a leader, I'm sure a lot of us actually have followers. And the words that we have have influence. What do we say to them, especially when we are stressed? Because sometimes we don't think because we're so overwhelmed with what's going on. Whatever that comes to my mind, we don't filter that. We just say it. And then as a result, our coworkers got hurt. Did you just say that? That was me. And you know what the Bible says? Proverbs 29, 20 says this. Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. How careful should we with our words? And instead, we can actually appreciate their hard work. Hey, I saw you stayed up late last night. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate that. And what do we do with the words, with our words when we are at church? And we can just go on and on if we're talking about gossiping in the church. When we talk about someone behind their back. We may not shed their blood, but we kill their ministry. We kill their reputation. And do you know that many people leave the church because of gossiping in the church? They felt so hurt. This is not the Christians that are supposed to be. Kill their ministry, kill their reputation, and do you know that words can make a scar that will take years to heal? I'm sure you've been there, where someone just said something to you and it just pierced you to the heart, and up to this day, you still remember that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what do we do with our words when we are at home? What do we say to our spouse? Do we reply to them in anger? Or do we show patience? Do you know, this is, this is one of my favorite authors, and she writes this. 
Many a wife has sickened and died prematurely for the want of encouraging words of sympathy and love manifested in kindly attentions and in words. Let me read that again. Many a wife has sickened and died prematurely for the want of encouraging words of sympathy and love manifested in kindly attentions and in words. Your spouse may die early just because you don't appreciate her enough. That's deep. And I think it works both ways. Husbands too. Husband needs some appreciation. When we go back home after work, after a long, tiring day, those appreciative words will just be like a water when you're thirsty. And I believe that love should be expressed more in the home. What do we do with our words? And when we talk with our children, it is just so easy to just leash out our anger on them, not filtering what we say. And you know what the Bible says? Proverbs 15 verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Maybe you're wondering why your children are angry at you all the time. But now maybe we need to think, why are they angry at us? Have we used our words wisely? Do we speak to them kindly and softly and, and appealing to their intellect instead of their emotions? A soft answer turns away wrath. So watch our words. Watch your words. Death or life. And in closing, I just want to share this story. There was a teacher. Her name was Audrey. And Audrey was a, te was a music theory teacher in California Community College. And what's interesting about Audrey is that she took personal interest on her students. So whenever students come, she would glance through everyone and she would, know to, she would know who they are personally. And then there was this student that always comes to class late. If you're a teacher, you probably know, know that, right? You experienced that. There was just one student that always comes to class super late. And he would just be quiet, you know, not even smiling. And he will sit all the way to the back with sad green eyes and mouth that never smiled. He would slouch and fold his arms, not interested in the class at all. So time went by, and apparently his name was Edward. So she noticed that Edward has been alone all the time. She would see him eating his sandwiches under the tree with nobody else but himself. So she would try to approach him and, you know, start up a conversation, but it never worked out. So semester went by, tests were given, exams were given, and the teacher knew that Edward did not do very well. So the final exam was given, and she announced, all right, class, I need you to come to my office on Tuesday at 9 a.m. because you will be receiving your final grade. But you need to come to my office personally. I'd love to talk to you. So Tuesday comes. She sat at her office, and there's a long line outside of her office, students waiting to get their final grade. 
students after students after student, but she couldn't find Edward. After a while, she realized that her time is up, and Edward still did not show up. So she decided she got up from the chair. She decided to lock her office. That's when she heard the footsteps. She turned back, and she saw Edward. How are you? But Edward was just cold. I'm fine, he said. And she said, come on in. Would you like some water? No, I'm fine. And there was silence. And Edward said this. Edward broke the silence and he said, I know that I'm getting a low grade on my final. I realize that I haven't been participating in class and that I am an embarrassment to others. I am a lazy, selfish, stupid, and an ugly, no good for anything person. I have no place on this earth. And what's more, no one can ever love a person like me. I am a hopeless case with absolutely no future. Audrey sat there in silence. She couldn't even say a word. But her, her job is to give Edward his final grade. So she said, Edward, your final grade is an A. He said, what? An A? Me? Why? And Audrey said this. You may appear to be a D student, but you are an A person. I believe in you. And I, will be, uh, and I will always believe in you. I am here for you now, and I, will, and I will always be here for you. Never, ever forget that. Now go and create the life that you dream of. Believe in yourself. I will be watching. And by the way, Edward, I love you. Edward left. She locked her office. And she went to bed. Later that evening, at 3 in the morning, her phone rang. Is this Audrey from California Community College? And you, are, you, are you Edward's teacher? She said, yes. She tried to sound awake because it's 3 in the morning. I was like, what's happening? And the guy on the other end said, I am the priest from Edward's church. And I want to thank you on behalf of, of Edward's family and myself for saving his life today. She was confused. What are you talking about? He goes on. Edward has been verbally abused by his brother. He wasn't sure what role his parents played, but he has been in depression and low self-esteem. Earlier that day, before Edward came to the office, he left a note by his pillow, which reads, I am sorry that I could not be the kind of son and brother you all wanted me to be. All I ever wanted was to be loved. I am sorry for being unlovable. I will go now. You will find me in the closet, and I am sorry for any inconvenience I have caused you. Please have my body cremated. My small savings is in the top right-hand drawer of the dresser. Edward had set up a rope in his closet with a picture of his brother in the view from the rope, and he was planning to take his life that night. Death 
and life is in the power of the tongue. The words that Audrey said change Edward's life. The words that we say can change someone's life. But at times, we forgot about Jesus, and we just said whatever we feel like. So every eyes closed, every head bowed. I want to give you time to meditate upon this message. Give your words to Jesus Christ and let his grace touch your lips that everything that we say will just a reflection of his character. Remember that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Maybe many of us have been Herod in our lives. We have gossiped. We have talked to our spouse meanly. We have tried to kill someone in the ministry with our words. We may not shed their blood, but we kill their reputation. And this is the time that I want you to talk to Jesus, talk to God and ask for forgiveness, that he will take control of your tongue. And I pray that we can come out from this room as a new person. That we may just say grace instead of curse. That everything that we say will be uplifting for whom we talk to. Please come out from this room as a new person and share life from your words. Because death and, and, and life are in the power of the tongue. So I'm going to give you opportunity to pray one or two minutes. Make that decision to be a blessing through your words. Make that decision to let Jesus take control of your words, that whatever we say will be uplifting. And then I will close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to ask for forgiveness. If we have hurt someone in the past with our words, we want to ask for forgiveness. If we have not, if we have not been the manager or the husband or the wife that you'd like us to be, we want to ask for forgiveness for our shortcomings with our words. We claim and believe, dear God, that you can transform our lips transform our hearts, that whatever we say will be a reflection of your character. Help us to uplift someone with our words today, or even help us to change someone's life or to prevent someone who is frustrated about life. Help us, dear God, to be a blessing and help us to be more and more like you every single day. Take our hearts, take our lips, We thank you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.